VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Where am I? I thought the beer store was on this block. Better check my phone. Hey, Maps, give me directions to the beer store. Your destination is 700 feet ahead on the right. Okay, thank you. But don't settle for any beer this Oktoberfest. Make sure to get Polliner, the number one selling beer at Munich's Oktoberfest. Polliner's beers are the perfect way to bring authentic German celebration into your home. Um, great. That's more information than I needed, but I... And this Oktoberfest, make sure to follow the liter. Excuse me? Follow the liter? No, follow the liter, as in the Polliner liter glass, like they drink in Munich. When you follow the liter across the country and identify the cities where the Polliner liter is at, you could win Oktoberfest prizes, including a kegerator. Okay, Maps, how do I follow the leader? Check out Polliner USA on Instagram and look for the follow the leader posts. Correct answers in the comments are how you enter. Okay, simple enough. Oh, another question. Is this conversation covered in my data plan? Polliner USA, White Plains, New York. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 or older, excluding West Virginia. And 10 Void where prohibited. For rules, see polliner.us forward slash rules. Hashtag beer goals. <laughs> Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Hamburg, Germany. Where the UFC is coming, we are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. Why? We talk about everything on It's Time. This is No Holds Barred Radio, folks, and we have a very good show today, a good guest, and my co-host, excellent co-host, great co-host, in TJ DeSantis. Hi, TJ. How are you? Uh, what's up, Buff? I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I'm well, too. Um, really not. I'm, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, uh, but everything is good been a non-stop uh, three, four weeks for me and catching up to me a little bit, but I'm ready to rock, ready to roll. And I came uh, this weekend, I went to an event, a charity event to benefit obesity and diabetes, um, you know, the prevention thereof here in the United States, which is called the LA Spectacular. And it was held at Snoop Dogg's compound in Inglewood where he does all his work. Uh, Help me really out here. Cool. Give me a visual. What is the compound look like because i mean that word is thrown around a lot and most compounds are not in fact compounds you drive by it's heavily gated you know they have to open it to get in it's obviously a large amount of square footage different buildings inside all right that sounds Uh, like a compound got a huge video game room where you can relax open up the parking lot and everything to all the tables there's probably 500 people there all top top athletes excuse me from the nba nfl you know nhl and uh mlb so Everybody was there, uh, you know, in respect to the fact that the people that were there, not everybody was there, excuse me, wrong choice of words. Uh, Aaron Andrews was there, um, Eric, John Sally, uh, a whole bunch of people. And it was a really fine event, and it was very cool. And I got to say something. I got to spend time with Snoop Dogg. I've met him before, but I got to spend time and talk with him. He is a very intelligent, uh, very interesting man, and he's come, a, you know, obviously a long way from where he started. And I respect him from what I see, you know, and, and his ability to talk business and this, that, and the other. Very impressed. Had a very good, very good time with him, even to the point that he invited me back the next day 
and this goes to show you how he gives back. He had NFL rookies in that are about to start their season. And he brought in a number of different people from Jay Glazier uh, to, again, John Sally and, and Aaron Andrews and other people to talk about health, wealth, prosperity, what to do with these contracts you get, the mistakes to avoid. Um, one of the big subjects was don't buy jewelry. That was, it was amazing when some of the NFL players uh, up there that spoke were talking about you know how, what they did in their careers and um, how to save money and how to prepare. Because quite honestly, when you're in the NFL, it's a very short-lived career. Right. There's no guarantee. It could be a year. It could be two. It could be three. Well, do you know what Con- the average NFL player's uh, career span is? I want to say three and a half years. Am I wrong? Incorrect. 1.5 seasons. Because wow. that's that's you know taking every player that signs um, you know with a team into consideration, not just the the multi-year uh, players and whatnot. But yeah, 1.5 seasons. Very interesting, and they pointed that out very hard at them. And you know what they said? One key thing that stood out: as soon as you are a starter, they're already looking for your replacement. Yeah, that that was what one of the veterans said. And I thought about that, and he's right. You know, because they got to have just like a great white shark has a tooth ready to drop in place when the other tooth falls out. Right. That's what it is. Right. That's what it is. Well, I mean, that's smart business. You know, you always need. I mean, what if they do go down? You know what I mean? Like. Think about it in baseball. Baseball is even deeper because they have farm systems, you know, farm uh, teams to sort of bolster that roster. I mean, at, at any given time, if you're the starting center fielder for a major league baseball team, they've got seven guys, you know, signed to their contract, ready to, you know, come up, and they're chomping at the bit. So not only can you not get hurt, but you can't have your ability or skill level drop for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, exactly. So I found this to be very interesting. I was glad that I went back yesterday. Uh, there's no money being made by Snoop for all of this, but going around, seeing everything he does, he gives back a lot. And this was great to see him giving back to these young athletes. I wish, not that I didn't have mentors, but I wish everybody at the age of 20 or in their 20s setting out on that path could spend time with mm. people that have been in that path or on that path for 20 plus years or 10 plus years and listen to what they went through to help circumvent the potential mistakes or, you know, wrong choices that you're going to make being young and inexperienced. So this was very valuable to these young athletes, and they all respected it as such. Very cool to see. Great day yesterday. Two days with Snoop Dogg. Very happy. Kudos to you, Snoop. Keep up the great work. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com. Hey, this is Jill from the Container Store. Oh. Is there something wrong? I just thought a virtual designer would be a cool robot. I could do a robot voice if that helps. Maybe? Hi, I am Jill. Let's design. Nope, absolutely not. Regular voice, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not good at impressions. Enjoy free virtual in-home closet design and up to 25% off closet systems with the Container Store's custom closet sale. The Container Store, where space comes from. All right, TJ, let's go on with the show. We've got our guest, Justin Brown, who is a regional director and board member of the UMMAF. What is the UMMAF, you may ask? Well, I'm going to let Justin tell you. But before I bring him on, we talk about entrepreneurial spirit. We talk about what it takes to be successful. We talk about what it takes to get where you want to get in life. Justin 
is an example of that today that I want to share with you. This morning, I received an email from Justin asking to be on It's Time Radio to talk about all the great things that he's doing with the UMMAF. And basically, this is an example that if you want something in life, you have to ask for it. We just happen to have a guest cancellation today. I would not have been able to bring on Justin for the next few months due to the busyness of our show. So with that being said, I called Justin. He's ready to rock. He's ready to go. And this is what it takes, folks. I'm going to say this is an example. If you want something, you have to ask for it. Don't wait for things to happen. Make them happen. And Justin made it happen, and that's why he's on the show today. Justin, how are you? I'm good, Bruce. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, yeah, my pleasure. Now, you're involved in a number of different things in MMA. You're a professional MMA referee. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay. And uh, also, too, you are the board member and the regional director for the UMMAF. Now, before I go into what it's about, please take a second and explain to us exactly what it is and what you're doing. The UMMAF is the United States Mixed Martial Arts Federation. We are the nonprofit organization representing amateur MMA throughout the United States in a global effort towards Olympic recognition. We're the U.S. Federation underneath IMAP, our international partner. Very cool. Now, with the Olympics and everything else, and we're all wondering when is MMA going to make it into the Olympics, what is the theory of thought on your end? What do you guys feel? Is it going to get there? Is it going to happen in the next eight years? What is the conjecture of opinion? Yeah, we absolutely feel it's going to get there. There's a, there's a lot of global push behind us, including a partnership with the UFC, who's partners with IMAP, our international federation, which I believe you've seen. Uh, but, yeah, we think we're going to be able to, to come out in the 2028 Olympics. We think we'll have Olympic recognition well before then. But as you know, most of the sports are, are dictated well before the actual date of the Olympics. So even if we got Olympic recognition today, we, our first opportunity would probably be the 2024 Olympics, which are held in Paris, France, which MMA is currently illegal in. So it's not, that, that's going to be a huge obstacle to overcome that before we can uh, come out into the Olympics. So more than likely our, our coming out party in the Olympics is going to be 2028 in the Los Angeles Games. Well, with the performance of Francis Ngannou a couple of weeks ago, it may never get legalized. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just had, to, had to say that. <laughs> TJ, you can jump in any time on that one. But all, you know, all the best, all the best to Francis. He already admitted he's going to come out and he's going to show us all what he's shown us in the past. So with that little segue and a little minor, minor, minor MMA joke, uh, let's get back to the reality of our situation well, here. If you don't mind, let me jump in here real quick. Uh, Justin, obviously mixed martial arts in, in the Olympics would require – um, there's really no other way to put it, but it would require some watering down. You would need athletes to compete several times over, you know, a period of time. And, and the way that mixed martial arts is fought, uh, it'd probably have to look something like the way that boxing is in the Olympics. What are your ideas as far as a rule set is concerned? And does this uh, mixed martial arts federation of amateurs, you know, fight under these rule sets as of now? That's correct. This is actually our, our, from our international federation standpoint, this is our fifth year uh, in operating, uh, and that's been also the fifth year in partnership with the UFC. But the, the amateur rules were developed very safely, and it's very close to what you see as the amateur rules in most states now throughout the USA. The difference is there has to be differences between professional and amateur as a requirement for the Olympic recognition, but our main differences are there's no elbows allowed, there's no knees to the face, and there's no twisting lower leg submissions. Outside of that, the bulk of everything else is the same as what you see now in, with the pros and the unified rules of MMA. Um, so the rules themselves aren't, aren't vastly different. However, you are correct. When we get into international competition, they are fought in a tournament format. Uh, our, our amateur world championships currently 
are five days of competition, which are every day in a row. You can fight once per day up to five days in a row. It's a, it's a uh, 32 athlete bracket, and that's how that works out. So the difference is when we do tournament format, our international competition is they do have to wear shin guards. Um, but outside of that, that just cuts down on the lacerations involved with those heavy kicks to the face and those type of things for a multi-day format. And um, I, outside I, of that, the well, rules are pretty consistent. I, I assume, Justin, that you said it's a tournament format. It's not a round robin or anything like that. So you lose once, you're done. That's correct. Single elimination. Got it. And there's no headgear, right? No headgear, no. Not for MMA. Okay. It's it's pretty dangerous uh, competing on the grappling side with the headgear for the leverage points on the neck. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Let me ask you another question. You know, when uh, you go back and the great Jim Thorpe, they took all his medals away from the Olympics he did in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. This is years ago, way before any of us were born. But it's because he played in a baseball league on the off season and got paid peanuts. Now, I've always wondered about this. How does that rate with MMA? Okay, in basketball in the Olympics, all we see are the biggest basketball stars, many of them, right. on the U.S. Olympic team that are already multi-multi-millionaires competing for gold medals. Okay? So now, in the MMA, if this happens, when it happens, pardon me, because I'm very positive about it, and I want to see it happen. What, do you have to be an amateur? Could you, have, could you have fought in a B, C, or A level event, such as the UFC, and said, okay, now I want to represent my country, and I want to go fight in the Olympics. What are the rules there? Currently, not at all. So IMAF, the International Federation, dictates all rules and requirements of athletes. Uh, and, and IMAF does not allow any, any athlete with any professional experiences, they deem professional, to be able to compete or represent their country. So there's strict guidelines in accordance to that. And, and, what they're, and if they've ever even fought under pro rules, even as an amateur without being paid, if they've fought under a pro rule set, they will be, they will be a negated from being able to compete as an amateur. So they're very strict in what they allow, and the combative sports are much more dangerous than you know, football and tennis and baseball and those sports. We can really get somebody hurt, so it's very very mindful about how they do it on combative sports levels that no, no professional athletes are allowed. Justin, I'm curious, um, what if it was someone that has competed in a professional jiu-jitsu match but didn't uh, ever compete in a professional combat sport with strikes? Is that different, or would someone that does, you know, say, like the Eddie Bravo Invitational or... Abu Dhabi, where there, there is prize money, would that negate them from being involved with this? Currently not with jiu-jitsu. Generally, we look at the major combative sports where striking is involved. So if they've been a professional in boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA, those sports, then, then they're generally a professional in all of those sports if you've had experience in one or the other. But jiu-jitsu is currently exempt from that list. It's something that is being discussed, and it's a good talking point. But currently this time, jiu-jitsu is not considered that for the professional realm. Let me, you know, related to what TJ just asked and your answer that you gave, I hope that if you've not competed in a professional MMA event or you have competed in an EBI such as Eddie Bravo's event, that you are allowed to enter this um, because obviously these are not mixed martial arts fighters. They're grapplers, okay? And they are fighting in, the, in respect to what they're doing, okay? They're not punching, but they are, if you want to consider it, they're combatively going at it. I like the idea that you explained that professional MMA fighters will not be allowed to compete. The reason is just like in boxing. When boxing in the Olympics and a man wins a gold medal like Roy Jones Jr., he's the new hot tamale. He's the hot prospect coming out, and that's where a bidding war could be for him to earn some really good money to go into the UFC or a competing organization that's willing to, to fork up some good cash. Because let's face it, no matter how you perform, usually I would say, and I'd venture to guess, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. 
that most of the people that compete in the Olympics do have aspirations of going on to compete and earn the big bucks in the real life of MMA. Would you say that's true? That's exactly true. In fact, we've just seen it, and I'm sure you, you've seen uh, some of our athletes that have come through, like uh, Shorty Torres, who just got signed with the UFC and did a debut fight with Jared Brooks. He was 26-1 and one as an amateur. He lost his first bout by split decision and then rattled off 26 wins in a row, most of those coming through the UMAF and IMAF platform. He was, a, he was able to leverage all that amateur body of work into a pretty substantial professional contract as a debut with Titan FC, and now he's signed by the UFC and still undefeated. I believe he's 8-0 as a professional now. So we've got several of those stories that are being written as we speak uh, with only being five years old. So absolutely, it allows you to leverage that entire uh, amateur body of work into a substantial professional contract. That's very cool. Now, another thing is I want to touch on the Youth Development League for MMA, which you already have in place. Now, according to what I'm seeing here, you've had MMA stars such as my favorite out there, Brian Ortega, um, one of my many favorites, and Aaron Pico, Kay Hansen, Lee Siblings, Angela and Christian Lee. Um, so this is a breeding ground, basically, for the breeding ground of MMA. You know, so you're, you're, you have a lot of things you're involved in here, and it's all, and kudos to you, my friend. It's all for the betterment of our great sport of mixed martial arts. Yeah, we appreciate it. So our, the Youth Development League is called the United States Fight League, and that's been around for some time. Based out of California specifically, that's where it started. It's now moved into Florida and Missouri. We're kicking some things off here in uh, South Carolina and Michigan upcoming. But, yeah, it's a great way to get people involved from the age of 18 up to – or, sorry, 8 to 17 to be able mm-hmm. to compete in a safe, progressive rule set and these guys are these kids are having twenty plus bouts before they ever turn an amateur or become adults to compete in MMA. And these kids are are on a tear once they hit the adult circuit at eighteen with all the experience that they have. So it's been a, it's been a huge benefit. And you've mentioned several of the names that have come through it, and and they're getting bigger and better every single year. It's a very safe rule set with no head strikes. Uh, the grappling changes every two years. The progressive rule set, so they're competing safely. Uh, the California State Athletic Commission was involved in helping to develop those rule sets. So it's, uh, it's, it's great to see the support and, and the names that have come through there, and you're going to continue to see it grow. If you don't mind, Bruce, one quick little note here. Um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest where mixed martial arts was unregulated, and I saw 16-year-old kids turning pro in their first-ever combative situation uh, fighting in a cage because, you know, the promoters didn't care. They didn't really look out for the fighters and the athletes. An amateur system is something that is very important, and, you know, what Justin's talking about here is a, a very broad, um, you know, sort of goal and what they're doing here and trying to get this uh, hooked up in, in the Olympics and whatnot. And I think if they follow, you know, what they're talking about here, it's probably better off for the sport. Also, too, real quick, uh, this weekend I'll be in Kansas City uh, for Invicta Fighting Championships and in our main event, Jin Yu Fry, who's an Adam weight, uh, Invicta veteran, takes on a uh, lady that is fighting for the second time in Invicta, and I'm looking at her resume now. She actually won an International Mixed Martial Arts Federation amateur title. Her name is Mina Grusender, and uh, it's pretty cool to see uh, you know, this reach out all the way to uh, a place like Finland where, where Mina Grusender's from. So, I think, I think all this is awesome. And you know, also, too, <clears throat> my longtime friend and legendary UFC champion Matt Hughes is on your board of directors. Is that correct, Justin? That's correct, yes. That's awesome. You're doing the right things. I like all of this. I love hearing this. It's all for the betterment of our great sport. And again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Kudos to you and everybody involved because we're not talking about making a ton of money, if any money at all, for what you're doing. This is a personal, passionate effort for the future and the benefit 
of young athletes and older going into the world of mixed martial arts. Well, also, too, Bruce, it's a route. You know what I mean? That's that's the problem with mixed martial arts for the longest time. There hasn't really been a road to travel in a very, you know, formulaic, organized way to get to the, the sport's greatest heights. And when you have something like this that, you know, is recognized by, you know, not only places in the States, but worldwide, it, it, it's a route that fighters can travel and be taken care of along the way. Because like I said, I mean, I saw so many things happen in barns in the Midwest that I would rather not see, but you know, those are the wild West days of mixed martial arts. I'm afraid to talk about some of the things I saw. And I would, I announced when my early, early days, well, because heck, they were they as underground happen. as underground. I know, but they were as underground yeah. as you get. You yeah. Know? And, 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 and you'll know this uh, with everyone else listening to that are hardcore MMA fans. Like a lot of those shows on these reservations still happen. They still exist. And sure. people fight three, four, five times a night. Or they fight really without any sort of, you know, pre-fight or, or post-fight, for that matter, medicals being done. And, uh, you know, while I think this is a, a huge step in the right direction, um, you know, more more exposure needs to be given to this because there are a lot of people that are doing things, I think, that, you know, aren't in their own personal best interest because they just want to get out there and be active. Exactly. And a lot less in the old days. I remember my first couple of years, I've said it before on the show, I did fights in cowboy bars where there were better fights in the audience than were happening in the, <laughs> in the ring that I was announcing. But <laughs> I won't I won't mention names, though. But, you know, here, one last thing before I let you go, Justin, one thing I do like is the UFC. Let's face it. It is the rocket ship of MMA. Wow. Everybody's you know, it's, following it's the that Olympics, rocket ship. right? We want to talk about pro fighters in the Olympics. I think we get that, uh, you know, every couple of weeks in the UFC. But what I like to see is that the UFC, the powers that be, are recognizing mm. the work that Justin and his cohorts are doing by allowing them to previously be inside the UFC Fan Expo. And also the UFC uh, has partnered your, your, uh, in your notes here on IMMAF. Tell me how to say that properly, Justin. Uh, we, we just call it IMAF, the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation. Okay, mm. so IMAF, Amateur Continental Events. So, I mean, the, U, the UFC is thinking beyond their guns, too. Right to benefit these young athletes. Kudos to everybody. Justin, well, I really appreciate your coming on. And go ahead, TJ. Real yeah. quick, I just think on the way out, I think that that feather in, in Justin's cap and in the IMAF cap uh, shouldn't be understated. The UFC has not really partnered up with really anybody in their 25-year uh, history when it comes to developing the sport like this. So uh, for them to you know attach their name in a partnership, uh, that, that's a really big deal, huge deal. It's very cool. Now, those of you that want to see more about – IMAF, did I say that correct? Correct. Okay. Go to www.immaf.org, O-R-G. You didn't get the com on that one, huh? There's a there's an immaf.com? Just org. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see, they're an organization, so it actually works better. A, a dot I com like it. Commercial <laughs> empire. You know, one, one, one bit of criticism, we can't just butter his bread too much before he gets out of here. Uh, when you say IMAF, Justin, it puts me right back in high school, and I think I have to do math. So, you know, it, it, <laughs> negative connotation there. But I, I love what you're doing, man. This sounds great. No, I, I think it sounds it, really Thank great. You. Justin, is there an Instagram or a, a Twitter for the organization that we can follow? Same, same way. Just just look up the IMAF, I-M-M-A-F. And I, I don't know what it is offhand, but they do have an Instagram and they, and they have a Twitter as well. And the same thing for our U.S. national organization. If you're looking to support the U.S. national team under IMAF or under UMAF, I mean, it'd be U-M-M-A-F.org. Uh, same thing. We have the social media for all accounts. That's awesome. That's awesome. Fantastic. Justin, thank you for coming on the show. I wish you all the best of luck and success with everything you're doing because this is beneficial to everybody in our sport. Yeah. I like it, and I'm with you, my brother. I'm with you. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. you take care. Yep. Bye. 
I like it, Bruce. You know, when you like sent me too. when you sent yeah. me the original email about Justin coming on today, and as you mentioned, we had a cancellation, so it was a very last minute sort of opportunity. Talk about timing, right place, right time. That's half mm-hmm. the battle in business. But uh, you know, I was a little bit uh, dubious of it. I didn't know exactly what uh, you know he was telling. I've heard of IMAF. I've heard of the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation. I didn't know uh, the U um, Mixed Martial Arts sort of acronym that he had. So when, I mean, you've been around the sport longer than I have, you know that some people out there don't always have the best interest of the athletes or the sport involved when they set up things like this. And sometimes it's a money grab. Uh, as we got to know more about Justin throughout this interview, and, and now I'm doing research about it as well as we talk to him, uh, I fully endorse this thing. This thing is actually really uh, doing wonders, I think, for not only mixed martial arts and like the youth development, but the sport is a overall growing thing because i mean we think about mixed martial arts in this mainstream environment as it is in the states but you know he was talking about in france it's still very much illegal a lot because of the judo federation there but the the bottom line is mixed martial arts needs things like this not only in the states but worldwide to really grow the sport and get it to the level that you know say boxing is i agree everything i heard and again i want to digest it more i want to research it more but everything i heard i'm on board for everything i heard um, to the point where, you know, if they ever came to me and asked me to participate in something, you know, this is an amateur situation. I can do something. Right. Um, I would consider it. So I want to watch it grow. I want to see how it goes forward. And if Justin Brown uses the business acumen he used in order to get on our show today, as far as promoting and building the awareness of the UMAF uh, organization, then kudos to him because that's what it takes. Yeah. That's what it takes. So good job, Justin. Let's move on. We've got a a number of things to talk about here. I want to go into the fact that we have the UFC in Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg, Germany. Excuse Hamburg. me. Hamburg. I, I have a. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. If I can tell. tell. I can tell, yeah. Bruce. Uh, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, you're battling through it. You're doing a good job. I have been nonstop for three weeks, and it kind of got to me a little bit. I'm par- I'm perfectly fine. Trust me. I'm, I'm fine. Well, I've done more, the show. You're a little more dulcet. You're a little more bassy. Use it to your advantage. Uh, Shogun Hua. 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 Yeah. Speaking of Shogun, Shogun's fighting Anthony Smith in the light heavyweight main event in Hamburg. Uh, Glower Teixeira is back against Corey Anderson. That'll be a really good fight. I'm going to look forward to that fight. Uh, ooh, Vitor Miranda. He hasn't, he hasn't fought for a while. Um, who else S- we have? S- Stefan Struve is on the card yeah. against uh, Marcin Tabora. Sne- wow. Sneaky good fight card. I know that the international yeah. stuff sometimes gets, uh, gets buried because it's not on the Saturday night like everyone is used to. But... Uh, this is a, a sneaky good card and, and very much worth your time. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. I'm looking at all the lots of good fights here, folks. I'm going to do these cards tonight. I'm very excited about this. So, hey, check speaking out. of cards, tell me about your UFC 226 cards. Are they up for sale? Yeah, one one quick second. Um, check out the card Saturday, Hamburg, Germany. I'm not sure what time it comes on in the states, and it's going to be on, of course, Fight Pass, but on Fox Sports One the prelims in the main card. I will see you from Hamburg, Germany on Saturday. Now, yes, I put the UFC 226 fight cards that I held in my hand uh, the other week in Las Vegas during that amazing event, with the exception of the co-main event. Um, But still, it was an amazing night overall. A very historic night. Uh, And I put them on eBay, and the bidding is already, the first bid came in. There's $700 now. There's five days left uh, to bid on the cards. Plenty of of time. Plenty of time. And the partial proceeds do go to, well, this case, um, it's an animal charity called the Wildlife Way Station, which I've done work with before. Yep. Uh, love visiting that place. It's here in L.A. Uh, wild lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. All wild animals. Oh, my. It's a sanctuary. They need funds. They do an amazing job. 
and that's where I'm going to donate money to. So check it out on eBay. Uh, look under UFC 226 Fight Cards, Bruce Buffer. It'll come right up. Or just uh, follow me on Instagram, Bruce Buffer UFC, or Twitter at Bruce Buffer, and you'll see my post there about the auction. If you're interested in having a, a truly, and I'm not blowing my horn here, but it is a one-of-a-kind UFC memorabilia, period. That's all I can tell you. It's always good to hear, Buff. Uh, I always, always have to fight my uh, my urges, though. You know, I, I I don't want to buy these from you, but I do at the same time. So hey, you got you got a free set. Oh, I so know, you're, I know. You're sitting but fine. Here's the problem, though. This is like memorabilia collecting. I'm not a huge memorabilia guy, but memorabilia collecting is a lot like I think when people that have a bunch of tattoos say, "Oh, you get one, and then you want more," and it's like, yeah, I do have some fight cards that you use. They're great. I cherish them. I love them but I don't have the ones that Daniel Cormier had his name written on after he knocked out Stipe Miocic. I don't, you know, no offense to the ones you gave me. I love them. I cherish them. But these are s- such a great piece of history. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll let you say that, and I'll say thank you. Um, I love them. I have all of mine. I even have the ones sitting here from my very first UFC. Wow. I'm so tempted, but there's no way I'm letting those go. And where I use 5 by 7 cards now to show you the evolutionary process of my existence, these are on little 3 by 5 cards, hey, which I would never be comfortable using today. By the way, I, uh, I didn't bring it up last week because I think we talked so much about the card, but uh, uh, kiss the fingers, your wardrobe selection and change at the last UFC event. Really great stuff. Thank you. And thank you to my exclusive tailors at, at uh, mykingandbay.com or on Instagram or Twitter at uh, mykingandbay. Um, Just waiting for that great. sponsorship, waiting for that uh, Invicta FC sponsorship for me, Buff. Put in a good word. I will. I will. As a matter of fact, I will. I will do that. I promise you, TJ. That'd be great. I promise you. No problem. And can you mention their name on air? Of course we can. Of course we can. Absolutely. Send me, send me an email. I'm oh. serious. Yeah, we'll make send that me. up. We'll make it up. Like, again, send. you know, going back to what we were talking about with Justin, you want something, you got to go try to grab it. Yeah, you want something, you got to ask for it. Let me go back, and very good to you. Please, TJ, send me an email. I'd love to get you dressed up really sharp for that show. We'll do it. Okay, now, I want to say something about UFC 226 I didn't mention last week. You know one of the biggest things that I was disappointed not to be able to hear, and I wanted to hear, was an interview with Stipe after the fight. Uh, really he got knocked to hear out, though, Buff. Yeah, I know. It's, that's true. I, I, I'd say that, too. I, but I read something where he said that he was bummed that he wasn't interviewed. Yeah, but, I mean, if we if we learned anything from Alistair Overeem, yeah, you're right, you know what you're I right, mean? You're if right, you're right, you're right. That's what the press conference is for. If he wants to Absolutely. go speak his mind there, by all means, go do that. But uh, I, I think we owe it to him as a, as a courtesy to not shove a microphone in his face after he just lost consciousness. I retract my thought. You're absolutely correct. Because I'm, I'm totally for that. I've said that in the past. It was just a fleeting moment while we were talking about it. Okay, so UFC talk is over. Let's go. Not over. There's so much more to come, but for now, it's over on today's show. Uh, let's go in the news. Um, Trump, <clears throat> he went over to Russia to have the uh, the summit with Putin. And, boy, there's a lot flying around in the news today. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, and it's now, like a reality show at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. But now where he's trying to clean up as he's done before, and I'm not sitting here saying yay or nay to the president, our president of the United States. It's just that it seems this happens a lot where he made a comment, mm-hmm. and now he's retracting the comment right. that he didn't mean what he said. That's dangerous. You've got to know what you're saying in that kind of a position when you make such a, a vital statement. Right? When, when you are in that position, yeah, you have to choose every word, every syllable so carefully. Well, speaking of syllable, 
basically during Monday's press conference with Putin, right? He refused to condemn any interference from Russia. This is all in the news, folks. Right. If you read the news, that's right. what we're talking about here. Yeah, this isn't Say, salacious. This is just uh, sourcing and reading. This is sourcing, reading, and reporting. Yeah. Saying they'd accepted the Russian president's denial, excuse me, refused to condemn Russia's interference, saying he accepted the Russian president's denial and took Putin's word over the con conclusion of U.S. intelligence agencies, uh, which he has continually attacked during his presidency. So what he said was, President Putin just said it's not Russia. Trump said, I don't see any reason why it would be. But on Tuesday, uh, President Trump claimed that he misspoke, explaining that he meant to say that he saw no reason why it would not be Russia. And in a sentence, he said, I would like to clarify, in a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Wow. Well, you know, that's that, exactly that, what you just said. That's yeah. one, one little thing changes the whole meaning of the sentence. Right. I, I mean, I don't know. This whole entire thing <clears throat> has been a debacle. Pro-Trump, anti-Trump, it doesn't matter. Just the way that this has been handled by really both sides, both parties, whether you're left, whether you're right, um, you know, red, blue, purple, green, yellow. It just none of this has been um, you know, presented to the world in a proper way, or at least a way that I want our country to be represented um, as and I don't know. I'm just whenever it's done, I'll be happy. Well, let's just hope for the best, as we always have to. Um, again, this is our president of the United States, and right. I hope for the best. Period. Yep. With you. Speak, speaking of the president of the United States, Stormy Daniels was arrested for allowing touching at an Ohio strip club. That the police were just waiting for. Her. And oh, then come I, on. Yeah, and then after she, well, it's a law. It's a local law in the I city. I get it. I get it. But that seems like, I mean. Somebody might, have made it, somebody might have made a phone call and said, watch her closely and arrest her if she does anything. Right. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, just, I so, don't know. And, and that's such a stupid thing to get butt hurt over. Now, anyway, the charges have since been dropped. But uh, it is the law in the area in which she works. And it got headlines. And, you you uh, know what this does there in you a go. roundabout way, Bruce? You've said this, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Just say my name right. Well, if you're in the market of a private dance with Stormy Daniels, you, you probably are willing to put down a little extra money maybe because you know that there, there might be something there that isn't necessarily advertised. That's all I'm well, saying. Well, what, what was done is a term called motorboating. We'll leave it at that. I think you know what that well, means. Well, I, I think I've heard a former UFC champion talk about that before in <laughs> the media. So Yeah. Was that Rampage? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. So let's just off. move on. Quentin, Quentin, Quentin. Okay. Now, uh, there was some news involving the mass shootings. You know, the Broward County deputy who bolted from the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School when the gunman was shooting in the building. Right. As, um, he's being sued by a group of parents and students claiming that the deputies in action caused the carnage. Well, now, I can see where there would be a lawsuit, but. Well, you could sue anybody for anything. Yeah, but it's like, and I'm no offense to the, um, the Broward County Sheriff's deputy, but how much money could he possibly have that they'd be going for? Right. You know, there's yeah. one thing to go after somebody with money for a righteous well, reason, but there's another thing to go after somebody that might not have any money to pay off any well, lawsuits. I mean, where do they expect to get anything? Especially, too, I mean, if there's one family that's doing it, I mean, this could become almost a class action case in a lot of ways. Granted, it's not against a business, but you know what I mean? Like, if there's one lawsuit, you know there are probably going to be others. And maybe it's just a case of principle. You know, maybe maybe the families are looking for something to be done here to where, you know, if you're not up to the job, you'll think twice about entering it. And maybe that puts someone in a better position 
going forward to do something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find that silver lining here, but it's hard to. Listen, I can't say anything negative from the families that have suffered due to the carnage of this a-hole, Nicholas Cruz, that killed 17 people on that day. So if they need to do something for their own personal closure, so be it. You know, that's all I can say. Um, Mandalay Bay. Hmm. The Mandalay Bay owner, right? Now, this is, I read this. I thought, what am I reading? Right. Um, the victims of the shooting, that you know, the massacre that occurred there, are going after the Mandalay Bay, obviously. Uh, the victims' families, whatever. But now, the Mandalay Bay owner is suing Las Vegas shooting victims. Right? What? Yeah, this I I got I'm gonna I'm How gonna have I, to I I'm, I don't follow. All right, I'm gonna go through this so you understand. All right, an an attorney representing some of the victims from the October first, two thousand seventeen shooting. Mm-hmm. Okay, Masker um, is slamming Mandela Bay's owner for suing them. MGM Resorts International. Okay, that's the that's the parent company. They own Mandela Bay. They own MGM. Right, that whole like couple yeah. block area, the Luxor, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I have. I, it's hard for me to read this. It just sounds ridiculously horrific. But the Mandalay Bay is suing more than 1,000 victims to preempt their liability claims, right? Now, there was a ton of casualties. 58 people were left dead. Hundreds of others were injured when that a-hole Stephen Paddock opened fire from his 32nd uh, 32nd floor room. So they claim the Mandalay Bay's negligence permitted the Route 91 gunman the space he needed to set up his weapons and prepare his attack on the festival goers below. So according to the Vegas Review-Journal, MGM Resorts International insisted that claims against the property must be dismissed because Mandalay Bay adhered to a 2002 federal act extending liability protection to venues that employ anti-terrorism services. So a security company hired by MGM was certified by the Department of Homeland Security for protecting against and responding to acts of mass injury and destruction, according to MGM Resorts in the suit. So it should also be protected against claims. So what this is is there are Listen, a thousand people for the money are asking. I don't know if it could ruin the MGM or ruin Mandalay Bay due to the amount of money that would have to be paid, but this is definitely a situation where they're trying to protect their finances. It just seems so horrific when you read a title yeah. that says Mandalay Bay owner sues Las right. Vegas shooting victims. That alone is hard to read. Right. I mean, what this is is a legal move and a business move. And when you take the emotion, out of it, maybe it quote unquote makes sense, but I'm sorry, uh, you, you just gotta you gotta sit on this one if you're that company. In my opinion, I, I assume there's some sort of insurance policy that can cover this or, or something. I don't know. I mean, just that headline alone, Bruce, has got to damage their brand. You know, I mean, that makes me less likely want to to want to stay there. I wonder how the Mandalay Bay is doing as far as occupancy and people staying there. Be interested um, to see. I went there. I went. I, I didn't stay there, but I was in the building in January. So you know, two three months after um, the incident, and uh, you couldn't go up the elevators unless you were a, a guest. Um, there's just an eerie vibe there, and I, and maybe it's gone. Maybe maybe they're past that. I don't know, but. I, I wouldn't have stayed there simply because it was just too soon. You know what I mean? That there, it had bad energy is the only way that I could describe it. Yeah, I understand. The Mandalay Bay has always been one of my favorite hotels oh, in Las Vegas. Great, but, great hotel. Great hotel. But I, I, I have to say I feel a little eerie, you know, going in and out of it still to this day. Yeah. So we'll see how this progresses. Uh, Charles Oakley. You familiar with Charles Oakley, the NBA player? Yep. He <clears throat> claims, allegedly, he was arrested. He was arrested in Las Vegas, getting back to Las Vegas. Uh, he was gambling. 
and he was at the Cosmopolitan on July 8th, and he tried to pull, allegedly, a fast one during a gaming session, a gambling session, but it was all caught on video. Uh So officials from the Nevada Gaming Board said that Oakley is suspected of adding or reducing his wager on a gambling game after the outcome was known. You know, for instance, let's say that the the, uh, roulette wheel was turned and he saw his number come up, so he tried to pull back a $100 chip after he realized he was going to lose. Well, that's illegal. I right. want to tell this to everybody out there. You, when you put your bets out on a gaming table in a professional casino, that is your bet. Yep. As soon as that action starts, that is your bet. Now, Oakley made $46 million during his NBA career. Now he has been arrested, right, for this, which is a fine that can involve one to six years in prison if convicted because you're committing a fraudulent act in a gaming establishment. Right. I, of course, I don't think it's ever going to go to that. No, of course not. But it's just, you know... As hey. the saying goes, if your saying goes, if, if you're going to steal, steal big. I'm not telling you to right. steal. Right. A hundred dollar chip to now get arrested and put all over the paper and your mug on the paper after right. having such a right. glorious career. No, don't well, like that. Also, also, too, I mean, he should be thankful that Vegas is what it is today. Because back in the day, old Vegas, man, I mean, this probably went to hit the headlines. You know what I mean? Uh, no, it wouldn't hit the headline because he'd be taken in the back and he'd be hit by a. Uh, right. Well, yeah. Let's just leave else. it there. Let's just we'll leave it, it there. there. Yeah. <laughs> Watch Casino. That's oh, a, it's a good, what a film. good film to educate you. Can I tell you a little Charles uh, Oakley story? Sure. Years ago, remember Bruce Smith? Yep. Buffalo Bills, yep, Charles course. Oakley. Michael and I were um, out after a boxing event, and I was with a girlfriend at the time. And um, we were in Vegas having a great time. And then we were spending time together joking with Bruce and, and Charles and drinking and, you know, having a, a – not you know, when I say drinking, you know, having a good time. Right. So a few hours pass. We say goodbye. As we're saying goodbye, Charles went over to my to my girlfriend, and he put his room key in her hand and said, I'm in room whatever, 2101, if you want to come up later. I just spent two hours partying with Charles Oakley. So I Did guess he not me, put two and two together, or did he just not care, and she was that fantastic, and he wanted to uh, make a move? Well, I got to say, she was pretty fantastic. Um, <laughs> so let's just say that Charles Oakley probably had a very glorious NBA career, if you know what I'm saying. Right. On the off season, <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I, she told me, showed me, and I didn't even want to say anything. I just actually got a big laugh out of it. You know why I got a big laugh? Because she stayed with me and not Charles. Thank there, you. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Buffer one, <laughs> Oakley none. Yes, one and zero. Oh. All right. All kidding. All kidding. And seriousness aside, um, hope he does well in that one. And now let's get on to some financial news. You ever see these scooters around, these these single scooters? I'm seeing them everywhere. Bird, and there's one other company. I forget the name of the company. Wait, you're talking about like these Vespas? Or... Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. The little, the little like uh, you put both feet on it. Oh, and like it's a just... Razor scooter. Like a Razor scooter, right. Uh-huh. Okay. Out here where I live in California, they're everywhere. Right. Right? So the company Bird, which is the one that handles the black scooters, they just got valued at $2 billion. With a B? Billion? B. $2 billion. Oh, my God. I don't know. I didn't do my research to see when they started, but $2 billion evaluation. I wonder if they were ever on Shark Tank showing that item. I don't know. So do, do these run off of electricity? Are they gas-powered? I don't know. I think they're electric. But it, what blows me away is you'll see them sitting on the corner alone because you can leave it there. Right. And, oh, they operate on lithium-ion batteries. Okay. Okay. So um, the first scooter pilot program, I, oh, here's why. It started here in Santa Monica, California. It, it started in Santa Monica, California last September. Last September? Now, 
and they operate in 22 cities. The scooters can go up to 15 miles an hour. The scooters are rented via an app. It costs $1 to unlock, oh, 15 wow. cents to ride per minute, okay? And mm. now they're valued at $2 billion. Good for them. Good for them. You know, um, this sounds to me almost like what they wanted the Segway to be. You know what I mean? But a lot more affordable. Like the Segway was going to be everyone's personal transportation. Right, right. Um, but, you know, also, too, you could never just grab a Segway off the corner because they were too expensive. Like the liability of having that stolen, probably not worth whatever you could even charge someone on their credit card. You know what I mean? Just yeah, to rent way, it. way, way too expensive. Right. But, I mean, if, if this is, you know, that, I mean, if it's that, you know, profitable, I mean, it sounds sounds great for them. I, I mean, I wish they would have came to us first and you know, let, let us get in on it, but wow. <laughs> well, always the dream, but you know, good for them. I like seeing people successful. Speaking of successful. Now I know we've <clears throat> kidded and talked about the Kardashian family, but I'm on a serious note now. Mm. Kylie Jenner just made the cover of Forbes. Why? As a billionaire cosmetics queen, she's 20 years old, right? She didn't land the cover for her looks. And instead, it's her asset. She's set to become America's youngest self-made billionaire. Self-made. Right. That well, because of her cosmetic company. Now, right, I again, give... self-made. Like her name was made because of her I, family. You know what I, I understand. mean? I, I understand that. And yes, that's true. And that's great marketing from the momager who takes care of her. Her sure, mom. Sure, sure. Um, and I and I agree with you, but her cosmetic business is booming. I mean, I'm not and, mad at her. You know, you got, you, I mean, you play the, the hand you're dealt and that's a heck of a hand, but I'm just well, saying like self-made. Mm. Well, for the record, she comes in at 27 on the Forbes list. Beyonce is 53. She's wow. ahead of Beyonce now. Right. So I asked some girls that I know about her cosmetics. They love them. They told me that, yeah, they're a little expensive, but they're great. They all rate. I didn't get one negative. I wonder how much she has to do in like R and D and things like that. I am going to say that she has a very smart um, group of consultants, right? Board of directors, whatever it is. But I will say that my guess is that she's heavily involved. That's good. Even if it's just putting on the makeup and saying this works and it looks good, she's heavily involved. So, again, success is success. Yes, the name does help, but. Just starting a company with a name does not guarantee success. Of course. You still, but so good for her. Good for her. If anything, I wish she will be is practice her ethics properly to be a great role model for the other 20-somethings and younger right. that can see that you can get somewhere even without a name. Start, you know, this, this is one step in that direction. Keep it in that direction to benefit other young female and male entrepreneurs that read about this. So this whole thing was built in less than three years. Got to say good for her. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's huge. That's awesome. Yeah, all good. What's up, TJ? What's going on? I got to get going. Uh, as I mentioned with Justin, uh, Invicta Fighting Championships is this Saturday night. We are live from Kansas City. Adam Way title on the line uh, when Ginny Fry takes on Mina Grusender. You can watch it. It is, uh, I believe, at 8 in the East, 5 in the West, and, uh, of course, exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. Fantastic. And me? Um, I am off to Hamburg, as I said earlier, and uh, then Calgary next week, and then in my backyard here in L.A., August 4th, we've got UFC 227, busy oh. three weeks ahead. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for your voiceover requests, uh, wedding requests, birthdays, everything involved. Um, 
Great to uh, do them all for you. Thank again for the wonderful thank you notes that I received. Kristen and I love it. Keep them coming in. We'll get them done for you. Outside of that, uh, TJ, I will talk to you next week. We'll have another show, another excellent guest. And everybody have a great week. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated and be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Learn about them. Write them down. Pick that path. Step on that path. Walk that path tall. And when you go down there, be the best you can be because it's all about winning. And if you're the best you can be, that means you're winning. The results are the results. I wish you all the best. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.